A little aloha around the world and breakfast with Bob. Thank you, Poncho Man. Welcome back, everybody. Breakfast with Bob, not quite Kona edition. We are brought to you by Hoka One One Master Spas, Clash Endurance. You can hyper ice premium plus sports, far, uh, form smart swim goggles, and of course, our challenged athletes foundation. We've now raised $135 million and sent out over 35,000 grants to keep challenged athletes in the game of life through sport. Our next guest, seriously, one of our favorite people on the planet, three-time Ironman world champion, two-time 70.3 world champion, 2008 Olympian, Olympic gold medalist, and holds a world record 727.53. Mr. Jan Ferdano joins us. How you doing, Jan? How are you, Bob? Always nice to see you and see that background. Man, I miss it. I miss it. But both of us, but man, we got to get back there. We got to get back there soon. I read your article in the was it Triathlete magazine or something? Yeah. Oh man, it had me. It, it had me close to tears. I was genuinely like, "Yep, yeah, corners the business. Don't take that away from me. Don't, don't be moving that. You, know, yeah, you yeah, can't no, move no. the. You, you don't move the London Marathon, right? To to. I'm with you. I'm with you. We yeah. ain't playing. Uh, we ain't playing Wimbledon down in Sussex. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So what, what are your thoughts? So this next year, when you look at 2022, you've got Ironman World Championship in St. George uh, in May and then Kona in October. Will that be sort of the, the basis of your year? Yeah, I'm, I'm honestly, uh, I'm not a religious man, but I am praying that it goes ahead. Like October, Kona, that would be um, my dream. You know, really, it's that's if I have one wish left in the sport, that would be um, kind of, yeah, um, being in Kona in October and having one more race in the peak shape and actually having all the boys there and just having a real rumble in the jungle, you know? Well, speaking of rumble in the jungle, you're up at Ironman California, and this weekend it looks like another matchup with Lionel Sanders. Uh, we, we also have, obviously, Gustav uh, Eden, who's coming off 70.3 Worlds and wants a PCU really badly. And <laughs> Cam Worf was hoped to be there, and then it just turns out he can't get in the country. Ben Hoffman. I mean, it's, it's a really, really good field. You excited? Yeah, yeah, I am. I am. I mean, the field uh, is a little bit more illustrious on the list than, than it actually, uh, than it actually is. I think Ben messaged me as well. He's not coming. Um, but you know what? Well, it, it's like always, you know, um, we'll see who shows up on the day and what actually happens. Of course, the uh, much hyped up uh, race with Gustav. Personally, I'm, I'm also excited to see where it goes. Um, you know, you and I, we've been around the sport for a long time and you see this every Olympic cycle and you see the guys coming in who are, who are having a crack. And, um, you know, there's some phenomenal athletes with phenomenal backgrounds coming up uh, every single time. And, and uh, I think definitely that Gustav is one of those guys. He, he just seems to do it smart. I look at what he does. It's a little bit different. Um, you know, I think he, he'll be a, a real tough contender. Well, he's one of those guys that you look at short course guys and he's always done long course stuff. You look at their training, they're doing, they're doing hard, long miles. So it's not like this big jump up that you would see, you know, from, from an I, a traditionally ITU guy. No, of course not. And if you look at Gustav, um, I, I think, you know, if, you, if you're very critical, he's also strictly speaking, he's not really the short distance guy. You know, we always put the Norwegians in one basket and, and we kind of join their success. But you've got to look at, you know, Christian, who is 
uh, got the phenomenal speed. He races well across every distance up to half. Um, and, and, you know, he's, he's won many races. Um, you look at Gustav and he is, you know, he's up there, but really where he excels and where he shines is that half distance. Um, he just seems to really, yeah, carry a lot more speed than, than others. And, and that, you know, like you said, the long mile kind of training seems to really work for him in that regard. So, you know, we'll see how it goes on, on double the distance. What's, what's always fun is when you're the guy, there's always the new young gun who comes to town wanting to take the guy down, right? And you're like, okay, who's next? But that's got to be motivation too, because there's always, you're, you're, the, you're the guy they're always talking about. The fact that they're always, when they stop talking about you, that's the problem. When they're, when they're always talking about you, that you know that's, you're doing the right stuff. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I always look at pressure as a privilege. You know, it's something I've, I worked long and hard for. And I remember, you know, the signing session where six people showed up and it's like, you know, nobody expects anything except mom and dad. You know, they want you to go well, but also it's, it's not the same thing. And, and now, yes, of course, it is that. And, you know, I've had some, some really fortunate and, and, and good years in, in the past. And of course, people look at it and, you know, the more races you win, the more somebody wants to have a crack at your armor. And really, it, it, it becomes the, the trick becomes to stay focused and stay in the moment and actually just look at it as one more race. That's that's really what it is. You know, it's the same even as the Olympics. Um, the, there's a famous coach who just said, it's just another race. And, and that's ideally that, that's exactly what it is. You know, it comes down and of course the hype is there and maybe there's an extra chopper in the air because the coverage is better, you know, that kind of stuff, um, which we all get hyped about. But in the end, you know, you have to perform and and it's it's a roller coaster ride every time for me as well, where I have to get myself in order and remind myself of these things. But in the end, if I'm deeply honest, I, I just I, I love that process of just going through all the highs and all the lows and then just just somehow piecing it together on race day. And um, yeah, trying to keep that door shut for as long as possible for all the boys uh, trying to stream in. <laughs> it was interesting. I remember interviewing uh, Olympic gold medalist Frank Shorter, who won the 72 Olympic gold in the marathon. Yeah, cool. And he says, you know, if you look at the history of the Olympics, especially in the marathon, the person who comes closest to what they normally do is the one who wins the gold medal. It's not the guy who comes, goes seven minutes or three minutes faster than they've ever gone. And usually people do try to be superhuman on that day. And that's, you know, that's a huge issue is people trying to do things, go beyond who they are. Have you had that where you've gone to a race and you've maybe pushed yourself more than you should have? Um, you just cut out there for a second, but I'm, I, I'm assuming you just asking about the, the, the pacing, sorry, the connection just. Yeah, started. basically, if, if you had though that type of experience where maybe you went to a race with you had a specific goal and you, you were going to stay here, but you sort of went outside of your parameters, outside of where you wanted to be for whatever reason and ended up blowing up, ended up not having the day. Yeah, I mean, people forget, as I, I've been around since 2001, and um, <laughs> to this day, I've still lost more races than I won. Um, I did a lot of losing before I won my first race. Um, the, the important thing was there that I actually learned from those races, and I, I, I did that all the time, you know, trying to cut corners and especially addressing the last 1%, you know, trying to cut the weight in order to run that little bit faster off the bike and, and you know, doing those typical things that 
you're not 100% believing in your work that you've done. Um, and it's happened to me many times. Um, it's happened to me of late as well. But, you know, I kind of, I, I, I got away with it that I just kind of may have overbiked or may have out pushed the pace and then, um, and then gotten away with it. But um, yeah, that, that is actually to me, it's half the fun trying to look for that boundary and see where it is. And the more you play with that boundary, then of course, someday you're going to step over it. Um, you know, it's not all numbers and we're not machines and you can't uh, predict the day exactly. But I do have to agree with what Frank said. You know, you've got to come, you've got to basically do what you do in training very, very well for a little bit longer. But, you know, coming out and preparing for, you know, say 320 watts on the bike and then going out at 340, not going to work. Um, it, it might. Although I actually, I saw, I saw one of those guys that put up some crazy numbers from, I think, Ironman Austria. And, you know, some people can just get away with it. And it's, it's fascinating to see. But for me personally, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's part of the journey to play, with that, to play with that line and see how long you can stay there. You know, you had, uh, after, you know, winning Ironman World Championship two years in a row, and then you had uh, you had to walk in, in uh, 17 and then 18, you couldn't race. You've had two years where you really didn't have your year. How hard was it for you to deal with the fact that, again, now you're 40, you couldn't race in 2020, 2021 is going to be a 2022 in terms of Kona. How hard has that been for you? Because the clock is ticking. Uh, obviously, legacy is you know, you've won three. You could at this point could have had two more potentially. So uh, how hard has it been for you? Because you've seemed to adapt well with, hey, I'm going to create my own stuff. We're going to do some really cool things because I can't control what I can't control. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at, at this stage, you kind of have to accept that uh, there are very, very limited things in your control. And that's something you learn as an athlete. You know, the more you try and focus on the things outside of your control, the more you're just distracted and, and focused on the noise. And yes, I have been very fortunate to have a good team and, and, and create other pastimes. But, you know, I'll take Kona any day of the week over, over anything that we've, um, that, that, that's come in the last two years. But that's not the way it's unfolded. And you've got to realize in those times, it's actually very, very fortunate and, and also kind of cool to see where the sport's going. You know, I think in terms of level of broadcast just to give one example from professional races we're we're seeing huge steps whichever whichever brand whichever race you go to now there's actually a coverage of the pro race that's watchable yes. um yes. you know rather than hacking into some local security footage and putting a comment on it so that's something really good that's become of the pandemic and um, what could have been in terms of title you never know i think in 17 and 18 17 especially was a race that I needed for humbleness. I became complacent in 16. I, I was overly confident and not, you know, um, in terms of making the connection and, and dialing the process, I, I, I feel like I was almost getting a little bit cocky. And, um, you know, Kona tends to shut cockiness down very, very <laughs> quick. And that's the beauty of this place. That's part of what I love. And therefore, um, that was, I think, a crucial part of my career and really stepping it up to that year of, of 19 that really, to me, is still, you know, the, the crown jewel in my career. That, that day um, really is what, what stands out. And so, like always, you know, you need the ups, but you need the downs as well in order to define you as an athlete and, and, and as a man, I guess. 
No, and as a, as a champion, because the reality is how you come back from that, how you come back from those type of disappointments to come back and win those. The titles that I look at over the years, you know, Paula Nibby Frazier, after she collapsed that in 1995, she came back and won in 1996. And uh, Mark Allen put up with, with a lot of crap throughout the 80s to finally win that race, right? Seven yeah. times before he finally won it. So there is that you gain from those downs sometimes. And I think what you just brought up, when I look at Clash Endurance, Super League, Collins Cup, uh, WTS, Ironman Challenge, I think we're in a pretty pretty good era of people trying to do more for the sport and trying to trying to showcase the professionals and not just watching them on race day, but giving backstories to bring them to life. Yeah, I agree 100 percent that I think in terms of making the sport accessible to more people and really benefiting from this huge boost that's going on throughout the pandemic that people have found it let's be honest i mean you go to any major bike brand and you almost can't get a bike because everybody's sold out everybody wants you know the the people are going crazy about uh, running and cycling particularly um swimming obviously being a little bit more difficult because uh, 80 percent of the pools are shut down but in general, um, you know, the open water swimming scene where, where we are in Spain is, has taken off tremendously. So it really is something where people still have gotten a bigger interest and are now more provided with more quality events. I think that's, that's what it comes down to ultimately. And I think in terms of the professional racing, it really is cool to see what's gone on because a lot of thought people are you know, um, stepping away from the routine and, and let's be honest, a new format generally only works when you get top right. eyes on board because they are the one you want to see. And if they've got a packed schedule uh, leading into an Olympic Games or leading to a Kona that's really, really rigid, it's more hard to get those events together. So, yeah, there is, you know, nothing's that bad that there's not something good about it. Well, and the, the Collins Cup being there and just seeing all the best people on the planet and really good, you know, obviously everybody got paid to be there based on the ranking in the world and having the legends associated with each team, having, you know, Norman Stadler and Natasha Padman and Mark Allen and Terrence Myers and those guys there. What did you come away with from, from that? Yeah, I, I, exactly what you just said. I mean, the Collins Cup was just a connection of generations for me in terms of the race itself. You know, it's, um, it's obviously an interesting format, racing for a team having all these kind of things. I think they'll twinkle with the, with the actual racing format uh, over the years. But to get that kind of event, that kind of exposure, and then the people I really, you know, as an athlete, found it to be a hugely enjoyable event. And um, it did really, yeah, get me a little bit reminiscent of, of, you know, the good old days, because you hear those stories live over, a, you know, over a, a plate of food and, um, and uh, maybe a beer after the race. So definitely um uh, a great event and a great way to get the community together so have you being 40 now have you given thought to post-career what you want to do um i mean of course i, I get this i get asked this a lot um and and you know we're kind of uh, as you know felix and i we're kind of dibbling and dabbling in a lot of things we tried our own events and and are still trying that We've got the incredible opportunity to work with some great brands and and great people who innovate great things. Um, So that's been a really, really cool journey. I I do know I want to try and keep the band together 
um, and, and see how we can, you know, find something that we all enjoy doing post-career. Um, but quite honestly, um, it's, it's that demanding at the moment with the various little ventures with kids and racing that I haven't even got that much time to think about it. I, I really have just enjoyed actually committing for an event for a long time. You know, there was a lot of that noise going on during the pandemic where you couldn't commit to a race emotionally because then it'd be canceled. And I find myself, you know, half depressed for a week, genuinely, because you're that invested in it and define yourself on it. And then it just gets taken away. And I know they're first world problems, but they genuinely are as an athlete, what defines me. And so now I'm just, really stoked to put it in <laughs> in surfing terms that a high profile event is going on um, i've committed to it i've had great training leading into it the normal hiccups that kind of happen race week or or just before you know where there's always something going wrong but you know the nerves the tension that all come with it that living on on the edge um that i'm i'm i can see i'm still very much here and not yet in uh, what's going to happen a few years down the line how have you had to adapt your training to, you know, to, to getting uh, to, to aging? Have you had to cut back on the speed work? Do you do more weight training? How have you had to adapt? Yeah, to be, to be very frank, I mean, the problem is more when you're 40 that you hit a lot of stigmas um, than that you actually hit, hit body boundaries. You know, my, my, my body hasn't changed that much since, uh, since a year ago yeah. um, or even two years ago. The sessions I'm running, they're still very similar um in terms of weight i've actually managed to increase my power in the gym after working with a with a gym coach for a longer term and building things up and you know i get a little bit smarter in terms of probably leaving out the silly stuff um and i do realize that on, on little things that my body recovers slower like little niggles or even even a blister it just doesn't it doesn't just go away it's it's crazy all of a sudden welcome to my world exactly it doesn't it doesn't just go you know you have to listen much sooner to your body whereas previously i'm like yeah just toughen up push through it nowadays i know i'm going to pay for that regardless of how small it is a week or two down the line and 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 that's that's noticeable but other than that you know it's um it's a, it's a lot of stigma that goes around and and people you know talking about finding the right time to retire and all these things it's like i'm still there i'm still here and i'm still sane to make my own decisions you know dementia hasn't just hit me yet <laughs> hey listen uh, over here tom brady i think is 43 44 oh. years old so the top of his game there's really no reason with people with people more uh, aware of terms of nutrition and recovery all the rest of that players in all sports are going longer and it's staying at a high level there's no reason to to go backwards. Yeah, I mean, it really also, I think a lot of these players and people who are in the game now are also being re rewarded for the smart choices uh, they made early on in their careers. You know, I, I was never the guy to go to the supermarket and buy a packet of biscuits and a Coke as a mid-ride snack, you know, all these kind of things. Like I've done the whole nutrition thing and looking after myself for a very long time. And I don't believe that impacts your race as much. You know, people are always wondering, like food is obviously probably the most common topic of amateur races. Yeah. Um, you, you know what, that pizza, that burger, whatever it is you're having on, on a Wednesday night does nothing. It doesn't even impact your Thursday. It, you're gonna be fine as long as the rest of your nutrition is fine. And that's really where I feel 
feel like it's given my body a longevity in terms of um, the purely physical. Um, you know, there's a huge relationship to the mental bit, uh, of course, always. But I do feel like now I'm able to re reap the rewards of, of looking after myself um, at an early stage, you know, doing good gym work and having a good base. That whole federation work in Germany, we're, we're, we're quite lucky. You know, the things I, I used to dread the most of being a young kid in a federation and having to do the gym work on a Monday afternoon or even on a Sunday afternoon. Um, um, the drills and all those kind of technical education bits and pieces that just come to make you a, a more efficient machine and just somehow teach you to look after yourself. Um, and then uh, in the end, just being blessed, uh, I guess, and, and lucky enough to have some decent genes that can take a bit of a punting. <laughs> Going into 2019, did, did, you, did you wonder if you could ever win in Kona again after the two, two years of not winning? It's funny because I remember sitting in 2018, I, I was sitting at the finish line um, in, in Kona. Um, and uh, that was the year Patrick broke the eight hours. Right. And I was there uh, commentating for German TV. And it was a bittersweet moment. Uh, you know, there's no doubt. It's, it's, it's less that we do have a strong rivalry, which, which no doubt we have. But, right. um, you know, I, I, I love seeing limits being pushed. I do love seeing excellence. And what he showcased on that day was absolute excellence. Um, it, was a, it was a great performance. And he, he overcame a little swim deficit and just ran a flawless marathon and you know put out that performance which i also was in awe of but of course i wanted to be there you know i, I wanted to be on that start line and it made me so hungry and yeah it's it, it definitely it's, it's a cocktail of emotions as always you know you're hungry you're a little bit angry you're a little bit frustrated you're a little bit sad all those things come together and my coach was there um at the time because he was looking after annie um and we sat down and, and, and wrote this letter of intent um, that we would all do everything to win Kona in 2019. And I remember my coach being quite hesitant because he's like, oh, I'm not sure with his injury if we come, can come back. And I literally sat there across the table and I, you know, it was, a, it was a couple of IPAs deep and thinking, what, what is this guy on about? We are going to come back and we are going to crush it. I had zero doubts in that moment. Um, and then, you know, as the process starts and when you do something with a certain level of intent and you're not just looking for green, green ticks on your training peaks profile, but you're actually looking for executing and nailing sessions to the very best of your ability. Um, that doubt goes away very quickly. It's something that you're just focused on being the very best version of yourself that you can be. And I always knew if I can get to that, um, then, then there is no doubt. Um, and yeah, that, you know, with the whole preparation and everything going super smooth, um, no injuries, all that kind of thing. I, I, I did think that I could come back from that injury. Um, in hindsight, yeah, again, got a bit lucky. You know, that injury can take 12 months, apparently. You know, I've, I've, I've uh, received a few messages from fellow pro athletes who told me how they suffered for a much, much longer time and, and, and had consequent injuries. But 
again, that's where I kind of do the smart thing, go to the gym, lay the groundwork, make sure that all my deficits are covered, that I'm not picking up another niggle because of, you know, the injury that I've got. And um, yeah, just genuinely probably had my most enjoyable um, year, despite being one of the tougher ones. Was it the type of thing where that one, that win meant more than the other two because of what you overcame and because you broke the course record and, and because you had made that pact the year before, this is what we're going to do. And then you did it. Yeah, of course, there's always something wonderful about coming back from a spot of, of defeat or of coming back from, you know, from, from a setback um proving a few of the naysayers wrong that kind of thing comes into it but to be honest the reason i loved it the most is because i finally felt like i put the whole whole puzzle together uh, i know i mentioned that earlier but it really was something where i just managed to get it all right and, and the one thing my coach dan and i have always done is 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 look at my performance rather than look at the benchmark that was set and try to get there. We just look, regardless of the benchmark, where we can get, you know, with the, with the best kind of preparation. And and it was an amazing feeling to actually feel competitive in Hawaii, not in survivor mode, not trying to, you know, just uh, wean yourself from one aid station to the next, but to actually be there. And in that moment, um, you know, I, I, I can so clearly remember being around 30k deep. Uh, what's what's that? That's about uh, 18 miles or something yeah. into the marathon, um, and just being like, "Dude, you better enjoy this. You don't know if it's going to be good again." And, and that's just something you know. If you're floating on the Queen K on on the way back from the airport and you're feeling good, um, that's that's a special moment in my life that I will cherish for a long time. And I'm afraid now I should already apologize to my grandchildren for having to hear that story a few times. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for, for taking time. Best of luck this weekend with whoever lines up there to try, try to take the, uh, to take you down, but um, have like always enjoy every moment out there. You know how it is, Bob, I'll come out fighting. Nice chatting to you. Um, all the best and hope to see you soon. All right, Jan Ferdano, three-time Ironman world champion, going at it at Ironman California this weekend. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. See ya.